Are you subscribed to OnlyPage yet? Visit OnlyPage.com for VIP access to all things, well, me. From golf instruction content, behind the scenes footage, and new content uploaded weekly, including member-only live streams, OnlyPage is your only way to connect with me off social media. Sign up today at OnlyPage.com. Again, that's OnlyPage.com. This summer, unleash the power of winning with PointsBet. PointsBet is giving new users five-second chance bets up to $100 each. That's five straight days where PointsBet will match your losing wager and bonus bets. And every day with PointsBet Power Hour, eligible customers get daily boosts, best odds, or no juice lines that you can't get anywhere else. Download the PointsBet app today using code PAGE to get in on the action. PointsBet, your move. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Playing Around podcast. And Sam, we have a very special guest today. We do. I'm super excited. He's a friend of the pod, as we would say. Um, let me Let me introduce you guys. Because I found some stats on this man. Most importantly, Class 3A state champion, senior year of high school, 2003. SMU grad, 2007. One of the only three people who have won three USGA events in a year, including the USAM in 2007. We know him. We love him. He played on tour for a bit, retired from pro golf in 2020, joined CBS Sports in 2022. Colt Nost, everybody. Wow. What an intro. Thank you all so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on with y'all. Good news is we have plenty to talk about, I think. We do. We are recording this at Tuesday at 1030, which we all know what happened 30 minutes ago. So Paige, let's get right into it. Okay. So Zach Johnson, the captain, has made his picks and it is Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler, Sam Burns, and Justin Thomas. So Sam and I talked about this last week of who we thought would be potentially on the team. Sam was pretty close on who she thought was going to pick. I just went totally off the radar with my picks. But how do you feel about this, Colt? Because you seem to always have the most insight to (laughs) anyone in the golf industry. Did you see this coming? I know a lot of people are a little surprised by the Justin Thomas pick and then also the Sam Byrne pick as well. Yeah, as far as JT, I'm not one bit surprised. I've been saying for months that I thought he was going to be on the team no matter what happened. You know, the only question was when he missed the FedEx Cup playoffs, would Zach go down that route? But I mean, you look at his his past record, he's 16-5-3 and three in Ryder Cup and President's Cup. Like, I mean, Zach just said it. He's the heart and soul of the team. There's there's two things that I always think about when I think with guys that aren't good for him. I never worry about Jordan Spieth when he pulls up down Magnolia Lane at the Masters. I don't care what kind of form he's in. Something brings out the best in him. And when these team competitions come around, I'm not one bit worried about Justin Thomas. I mean, these things get him fired up. He thrives in this environment. Um, I said probably five years ago, I think Justin Thomas will go down as the greatest American Ryder Cup player of all time. Um, I just think that's how much he thrives under these pressure situations. If you look back to Paris, when we got absolutely dummied over there, uh, he went four and one. He was the only bright spot on that team for the most part. Uh, so yeah, I'm not one bit surprised. Sam Burns was the the one question mark. I thought after the 62 at the BMW on Saturday and then finishing tied for ninth, um, at the tour championship, he probably had a slight edge. I thought it was Keegan Bradley's to lose just because he'd won twice this year. He'd played so consistent, but he struggled on Sunday there with the 73. 
Lucas Glover was, you know, kind of the emotional pick, I would say. Everybody wanted him to be on the team being 43 years old, winning back-to-back weeks, but he didn't play his best at BMW, didn't play his best at Tour Championship. And even after all that, he still was behind Justin Thomas in the Ryder Cup's points list. So I, I know he's playing well. The Ryder Cup doesn't start tomorrow. It starts in a month, so I'm not worried about JT's form at all. Sam Burns looks like he's starting to find it. And, um, I mean, I, I, I thought this was the team he would go with. So the good thing is, is that we didn't have to sit through an hour-long picks show like we did a few years ago. He got right off the bat. That was nice. I, I really enjoyed that. I was like, man, I'm going to miss these picks doing, the, doing y'all's podcast. But then he just went and said, boom, <laughs> we, boom, we boom. We called him. We let him know. <laughs> yeah, we got stuff to do. But no, I, I, I love that. We actually had Zach on our show a few weeks ago. Um, we unveiled the Team USA uniforms and talked to him a lot about it. And look, it's, it's not an easy job. I mean, the, the good news is he has so many great players to choose from. But I can't imagine what it's like, you know, making those phone calls and saying, look, you're not going to make the team. It's probably like y'all breaking up with guys. It's tough. (laughs) So if you're Keegan Bradley, Cameron Young, Lucas Glover, how are you feeling in this situation? Do you feel like you were slighted or do you understand the reasoning behind why a Justin Thomas was picked? I think if you're a player, you 100% understand why Justin Thomas was picked. You know, there's going to be a lot of questions from the fans out there about, you know, he didn't play his best. He finished 71st on the FedEx. Um, he's fallen in the world rankings. He had a bad season. But guys get it. Look, it's it's a team event. And also, they're captain's picks. This Zach Johnson can pick whoever he wants. I mean, that's the beauty of the job. Lucas Glover, there was no thought of even Ryder Cup five, six, seven <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? He wouldn't even think about making the playoffs. So for him, it was like, Man, it kind of got dangled in front of him after those two wins. But at the end of the day, I think Lucas is very happy with his season, uh, very happy to be playing good golf again. And then Cam Young, that's a tough one. Like, he's a he's a young star. I know he hasn't won yet. And whether you believe it or not, like, the team room is a big deal. And Cam Young is a super nice guy, but he's super shy, super quiet, doesn't interact with the guys a whole lot. And I think that probably played a factor. Yeah, when I was listening to what Zach Johnson was saying when he was making his picks, he said he chose based off of personalities, team room, camaraderie, and course fit. But why why do you think Justin Thomas gets up so differently for these events versus playing on his own, especially recently? Hey, look, he's a killer, man. Like I've known him for a long time. It doesn't matter if it's it's golf, if it's beer pong, if it's a friendly match with us, you know, in an off week. Like he just absolutely thrives in those loves talking trash. Um, wants to beat you at everything he does. He's one of the most competitive people I've ever seen. And he takes pride in putting on the red, white, and blue. And I, I think he honestly probably likes playing over there better because there is so much hate towards the American team. And it, it makes it fun. I mean, he just he plays with a chip on his shoulder. And when people talk trash and challenge him, um, it brings out the best in him. And I, I wouldn't be one bit surprised. You know, with his form, will he play all five matches? I don't know. We'll see what it's like going in. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he goes over there and goes, four and one again or or three and oh whatever it is he's gonna he's gonna rise to the moment and play great i know we talked about the guys on the pga tour who might feel a little bit slighted but bryson dechambeau who had an amazing last tournament on the live tour and i saw zach johnson talking on your show how he said you know i don't really know because i don't get to see him play that often but when you compare it to someone like a justin thomas who also didn't make the playoffs and he has been playing do you think that's an unfair comparison where it's like they're both aren't playing they're not seeing either of them play and do you think it really came down to just team camaraderie and do you think you wish that he was being more honest about that and why he didn't pick Bryson you know it's it's interesting I think the live guys knew when they made the decision that 
they weren't going to get the looks for the Ryder Cup probably they normally would if they played on the PGA Tour. Bryson obviously had the great week at Greenbrier where he shot 58 and won the golf tournament. Finished fourth at the PGA, I believe. But other than that, like it hasn't been that great, like in my opinion. So ever since he's gone to live, he hasn't really played great. He has one win, I believe, and then the fourth at the at the PGA. But you know, I don't know. It's a tough spot. Like Zach also is a PGA Tour player. Like he has a job to do. Like he's playing 20 weeks out here on the PGA Tour. He's not going to skip a week to go out and watch the guys on live. I don't. I I didn't think Bryson was going to get picked. I thought if if Zach threw a curveball at us at all. It would be leaving Sam Burns off and possibly going with Dustin Johnson because he went five and zero at Whistling Straits and everybody loves him. I mean, he is a he is a favorite among all the guys out there and is great in the team room. That would have been the one where, like I said, if Sam got left off, I think he would have gone the route of Dustin Johnson. That's what I said last week, and I got a lot of shit for saying that. But he's such a good Ryder Cup player, and everyone loves him. And has the experience, too, because when we're looking at the team and you have a Wyndham Clark and a Brian Harmon, a couple of these players, like, how do you think Zach Johnson is going to pair these guys up together? Like, when you're looking at potential teammates for these rounds, what, what are you seeing? Well, I think there's three teams that are a lock, and it's obviously JT and Justin, or JT and Jordan. Um, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Schauffele. And I think a big part about Sam Burns being picked is his relationship with Scotty Scheffler. They're so close. They play President's Cup together. They travel together. Um, I think that'll be definitely a team. Uh, I know Wyndham has mentioned playing with Brooks when we've, we've sat down and talked to him. So that could be a team there. And then, I mean, you can put Colin Morikawa with anyone. I think you can also put Brian Harmon with anyone. The golf course should set up really well for Brian Harmon. They love when, when it's played over in Europe. It's not crazy long. The fairways are very narrow. The rough is very deep. So you got to hit fairways and you got to make putts. And that's what Brian Harmon does. So I think Brian Harmon could sneaky be a weapon for Team USA this year. So I was looking on Twitter when all this started coming in this morning and I saw a book where it said Europe is only plus 150. Do they have the upper hand, but like kind of not as much as we think? Well, if you go back to the start of the year or even into late last year, at one point, Team USA was like minus 325. Like they were a massive favorite. Um, just because I think everybody thought these the same team that was at Whistling Straits was most likely going to make the team over in Europe. And obviously things changed a lot with Brian Harmon winning the Open, Wyndham Clark winning the U.S. Open. Like Those are two guys you definitely didn't plan on having on your team. You planned on having a lot of experience, being locked and loaded, and then some guys came out and played great golf. So yeah, the odds have changed dramatically in the last several months. Look who's playing well for them. I mean, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, Roy McIlroy. I mean, they are so loaded at the top. It is unbelievable i mean luke donald's got an interesting couple of decisions to make as well i mean do you take ludwig aberg who's just this young up-and-coming star i sure hope he does because my buddy gave me five to one odds that he wouldn't get picked uh, about four months ago (laughs) so i'm rooting hard for ludwig because i think this kid is a superstar so who is your official pick europe or usa I mean, I got to ride with my guys. I Listen, okay. <laughs> I saw what happened to Riggs when he went with Team Europe over at Whistling Straits yeah. because he was mad about a few things. That ain't happening to me. I, I, I'm around these guys every single day out there on the PGA Tour. I'm staying loyal to my team. I'm, I'm USA all the way. Do you think it's going to be a close one? I do. I really do. I think it's going to be a battle I, just because of the way our team likes to play golf. They like to absolutely send it. They don't care if they hit it in the rough. And I would imagine talking to Zach, I mean, the rough's going to be four, five, six inches and it's going to be tough. I mean, look what happened in Paris. I mean, we got destroyed in Paris because our guys wouldn't adapt to to the golf course and play the way you know it, it was meant to be played. They kept trying to ship it down there, and it was a struggle. So I, I do, and I, I think the guys over for the European team are just playing so great right now. If that lasts for another month, it should be really fun to watch. 
Do you think it's an advantage having Zach Johnson as a captain speaking about course management because he played the game a little bit differently than a lot of the players? He wasn't the longest hitter. He would always have to rely on his wedges. Do you think that's a big advantage going over there? Yeah, and I think everyone also just respects Zach so much. I mean, is there a guy that's talked about less than Zach Johnson? I mean, he's a two-time major winner. I think he's won 12 times. He's won the Masters, obviously, at Augusta National in the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Like, what a resume this guy has. And he might be the only guy out there on the PGA Tour I've never heard a bad word about. I mean, everybody just loves him. Like I said, respects him. Um, and he's going to be a huge asset. He's taking this thing very serious. He's made several trips over there already. I know they're going over, I believe, two or three weeks early. He's going to spend two or three days over there playing the golf course come back for two weeks and then head back over. So uh, yeah, he's all in. It's it's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to get over there and be a part of it. Well, let's move into this past weekend, the FedEx Cup Championship at Eastlake. You were obviously there covering it. Loved hearing you on TV. You're always, not to be like this, but you are my favorite commentator. You're so funny, Aww. which I feel like is such a breath of fresh air with a lot of the commentators that you listen to nowadays. Take us through your week at Eastlake. Like, give us an inside look of what that looks like when you arrive, what you have to do, besides just walking the course with players, quote unquote. But give us a little bit of an inside look. Well, it was hotter than hell. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, the last three weeks, just in total, uh, I'm tired of sweating. It was it was a long three weeks for the FedEx Cup playoffs, but I'd never been to Eastlake before. Um, you know, as Charlie Hoffman texts me on Sunday, congrats on finally making the tour championship. Um, <laughs> that's what the seagull does. But uh, I flew in there Monday night, um, took a little rest day on Tuesday, and then Wednesday went out, walked the golf course just because, like I said, I've never seen the place. And I was doing both shows, Golf Channel and CBS. So we we're going to cover all 18 holes. Went out there, just looked at the golf course, you know, talked to whatever players that I ran into, get their thoughts on it. Obviously, I mean, I'm a huge golf fan, so I watch every tournament when I'm not working. So I, I kind of knew the layout of East Lake and what to expect. But it's it's cool just to get there and see like what the vibe is, because I mean, eighteen million dollars on the line. These guys try to say money doesn't matter, but it's 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 eighteen million dollars. I don't care who you <laughs> who you are. There's a lot on the line down there. But um, yeah, I, mean, I, I have the best job in the world I went from playing professional golf to not knowing what would be next. And then this happened. And I'm loving every second of it. Uh, go to the range, talk to whoever I'm following each day. Um, you know, I'm not scared to walk up in the middle of a warm up and mix it up with them, see what they did the night before, crack some jokes, see how they're feeling. And then I get out there and, and go. You know, I think I'm one of those guys, either you, you love listening to me or you hate listening to me, which is which is fine. Uh, I'm different, um, but I have a lot of fun with it. Like At the end of the day, it's a show, right? I mean, I, I feel like I played this game long enough. I did some pretty cool things in it that. I have the experience to comment on players' decisions and whether it's good or bad. But then also just look at, like I said, it's it's a show. I want to make it entertaining. Like I hate when people say I'm turning the golf on to take a nap. Um, like I want I want people to have fun, <laughs> laugh, laugh at it a little bit when when the moment's right. Like I know coming down the stretch, it's not a time to make jokes. But um, yeah, man, I'm having so much fun with it. I I'm I'm ready for a nice little break, but also probably in about a week or two, I'll be ready for Tory Pines to be here. Do you ever get nervous when they throw it over to you and you're like? I don't know what to say or do you always have something to say and do you like prepare things beforehand because that's what I would feel nervous where they like throw it over to me and it's like I don't know yeah, the, <laughs> it was I good think, I think the only time I ever got nervous was my first one uh, my first one on actual CBS was the PGA Championship at Kiowa and you know it's it's different I did the golf channel stuff as kind of preparation and everything and those shows are very laid back they're a lot slower and also, I'd never worked with Jim Nance before, which was, I mean, he was the guy who first sent it down to me. I'll, I'll never forget it in the fairway with Charlie Hoffman's group, actually. But 
this is a guy that started with the CBS in 1985, the year I was born. So I've listened to this guy my entire life, and now I'm working alongside him. That was probably the first time I'd ever been nervous, um, or the, really the only time I've ever been nervous. And then, I don't know, I just, I, I'm extremely comfortable doing what I do out there. You know, I'm talking about golf. That's that's what I love to do. That's what I've done my whole life. And yeah, I, I really don't anymore. You know, I haven't got to work the main broadcast for the Masters yet. I'm sure if that does happen at some point, that'll be a different experience. Those those nerves will definitely kick in. But no, I just I I, I do get the only time I get nervous. I, I never want to like talk over somebody or step in. So it's always like guys have different speeds, right? Like I know how Frank Nabilo is going to do it. I know how Ian Baker Finch is going to do it. I get terrified of talking over Jim Nance because he's Jim Nance. But <laughs> um, yeah, that's the only thing I ever get worried. I never want to talk over someone. So you always just try to time it out just right. But man, I'm just I was so lucky. I never I never saw this when I was growing up like this is what I could possibly be doing. Uh, but damn, I'm glad it happened because it's the best job in the world. It's it's a lot. I mean, I just worked 19 to 21 weeks. Now I have four months off. So I get to sit at home and enjoy football with everybody else and have a good time. Well, you're so great at what you do, but I got to ask about the announcer curse and you <laughs> fell victim to this with Jordan Spieth, where you said, if he hits the fairway, he will win. Mm -hmm. And he did not win. Does he give you shit about that after? Does he even know that that's what you said? Like, how does that play out? So I told him about it afterwards, but it was one of those shows <laughs> that was, it was kind of going slow and listen, like, I feel like part of my job is to bring the energy to the team, like mix it up, you know, joke around with the guys, take shots at Nabilo. And it was going a little slow. And Jordan was, I think, one back at the time. And the 10th fairway there at TPC Southwind is tough to hit. I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to throw this shit out there and see what happens. And I was like, you know what, Frank, if he hits this fairway, he's going to win this golf tournament. He's like, oh, bold prediction. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just let's just try to spice it up. So then, of course, he makes bogey. So it gives us something to talk about. And then he like, I think he missed the green on 12 13 14 and i'm just like Jesus. <laughs> and then all of a sudden my twitter just starts going nuts that i'm a fat worthless human and i jinxed him and it's all my fault and i'm like i i just love that people think i have the power to control what jordan spieth does because that'd be great if it was if i had the power to control him i'd have him fly out here to scottsdale and pick me up before every tournament i wouldn't be going to sky harbor it's so funny i feel like there's nothing i hate seeing more than when a guy has like a six foot putt and the graphic comes up Hasn't three putted in 36 weeks on the PGA tour. And you're like, well, here you go. He's going to miss it now. Yeah. That that's obviously the announcer. Jinx. Mine was just way different. I was just like, Hey, if he does something good, he's yeah. going to win it. So I was just trying to mix it up and I'm not scared to throw myself out there. And look, I owned it. They moved me off his group after 15 to go up to uh, Roy McElroy and Patrick Cantley because they were <laughs> making a move. Um, but I, as I left, I was like, this one's on me guys. Sorry, Jordan. And just took off. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not afraid page. If anybody knows, you know how Twitter is or X, whatever it's called. Um, there's some good, there's some bad, but I actually kind of enjoy the hate sometimes. I never see any hate directed your way. I feel like you oh. are so universally loved. Okay, well, I'll start screenshotting them to you. I, I need to see it because every single thing that I see about you towards you is always love. And it's well-deserved because like we said, you are so good at what you do and we need new people to get into the game of golf. and you want to make it entertaining. I think sometimes that's lost and you are always entertaining, always so funny and always great. But we got to talk about Victor Hovland and he seemed to really have this breakthrough. What do you think has been the difference for him? I mean, it's been talked about a lot. I mean, his short game, the work with Joe Mayo he's done uh, is phenomenal. I mean, he went from one of the worst chippers on the planet to now really good around the greens and it's made him a complete player. His ball striking is elite. He's always been a decent putter. 
And what he did the last two weeks was freaking awesome, man. I just, I, I love, I love that guy. He's hilarious. He's got a great personality. Um, he's weird, which I think is, I think is great. Um, I loved what he said after he won 18 million bucks. He's like, I live in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Money goes a long ways there. Like he doesn't, he just, the, it's not about the money for him. He just wants to go out there and be the best player in the world. And he's trending in that direction. But I walked with him on Friday. Uh, he was in the next to last group on Friday and just, the way he drives the golf ball, it is just a joke right now. It looked like a video game. I was like, it's seriously golden tee. Like you just spin the ball back, push it forward, and it goes 320 down the middle every single time. And now that he has the confidence in the short game, he's not scared to miss greens. He's a problem. Um, you know, he contended in several majors this year. It's not a bold prediction, but like Victor Hovland's gonna win a major championship next year. He's ready. Like I said, the the short game is what was lacking. I mean, you can't compete in major championships, the toughest test in golf when you don't have a short game. And now that he does. Look out. I mean, this I wouldn't be surprised if he gets number one in the world at some point. If we were to ask you Thursday morning last week who you thought was going to win the tour championship, given everything, the staggered star, the previous mm -hmm. weeks, who would you have said? I mean, how do you not go Scotty Scheffler? And then the start he got off to, I think he was three under through six. And during commercial break, we were like, this is going to be a blowout. We're going to have nothing to talk about all weekend. And then, then all of a sudden it got kind of exciting Friday afternoon and early Saturday. And then Victor went out and spoiled all the fun. Um, and just went off. But then shout out to Xander Shoffley for what he did on Sunday. I was talking with him and Austin Kaiser on the range and Kaiser said, you know, 63, I think we got a chance. Um, that means Victor would shoot 69, possibly a playoff. He's like, I think, I think that might do it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, obviously there's $18 million on the line. Victor's been playing great, but it's going to be a little different. Uh, he shot 62 and picked up one shot. So, <laughs> um, sometimes, sometimes you just get beat. That's insane. Do you want to improve your game faster and hit your driver longer? The good news is ShotScope can help you achieve your goals. ShotScope has products for every golfer, such as GPS watches, laser rangefinders, and shot tracking devices designed to lower scores and improve your golf by over four shots on average. I use the Pro LX Plus rangefinder on the course to get my distances. What I love most about ShotScope is tracking my game and reviewing my stats. The great news is your personalized stats are completely free with no yearly subscription. If I can use it, anyone can. Jump over to shotscope.com today and find the perfect product for you. And remember to use my code page at checkout. When we were talking about Scotty Scheffler, he, I saw an interesting stat where he was essentially leading every single stat on tour and then putting was just off the radar. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think he struggles so much with his putting? Well, there's a couple things. I, I've I've known Scotty since he was six years old. Um, I love the guy. It's so cool to see what he's done. He has not changed one bit with all the success he's had. His ball striking, I mean, other than Tiger Woods in 2000, was as good as it's ever been. It's just a joke to watch him hit the golf ball. I think there's a flaw in the stroke right now. Um, he hits a lot of putts out of the heel, and I think mostly that's because he swings up on his up on his putts a little bit. The left shoulder goes up, makes it swing out to the right, and hits it in the heel. I know that's a little golf nerdy, but it puts hook spin on the ball, and he misses a lot of putts left. Um, and also confidence. I think him having to talk about his putting in every single press conference, every single post round interview, and the fact that he just he hits it so good, he gives himself so many opportunities. Um, it's got to be frustrating for him, you know. I've known his coach, Randy Smith, forever. That's who I worked with. Um, I'm a little, you know, they they changed putters there for a couple of weeks, went with the Malik style, which I was all for making a change. But I think it's time in the, with this month he has before the Ryder Cup and the start of the, the next season. Like, let's experiment with some things, whether it's cross-handed, whether it's claw, 
go arm lock. Just just try something because he hits it so good. If, if he puts just average, he wins by five or six every week. I mean, you look, you go back to Memorial and Colonial where he missed a playoff by a shot, and he was dead last of the guys that made the cut both weeks. It's like, all you got to do is putt better than one person, and you win the golf tournament. But he didn't do it. I remember talking to Max Homa after playing with him one day. Max comes off. He's like, Jesus Christ, does this guy hit the golf ball good? Like, I mean, when you get... When you're you impress those guys, the other top players in the world, that's something special. So I hope he figures it out. It, it sucks. It's uh, you know, I get nervous for him when he's got three and four feet, um, but he's a, he's a beast. What he's done the last several years. It's been fun to watch. How different is we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but just the difference between how good you think you are as a weekend golfer and how good the pros actually are. Something we talk about a lot is how the sound is so different when you're in person with them and how they hit the golf ball, they compress the golf ball. Explain the real difference between a weekend golfer and a PGA tour player, since you're right up next to it every week. Well, a lot. And I'll, I'll go a step, <laughs> a step farther. Um, I mean, I played out there for eight years, uh, 199 events. Uh, Will Wilcox, who played out there for a few years, now caddying for Sun JM, came up to me at Memphis and <laughs> we were on the range. He goes, what the hell were we ever thinking trying to play against these guys? <laughs> and I was like, dude, I say it every day now because, I mean, look, like I said, I played out there a long time. I played with some of the best in the world, but like I, I didn't get paired with Roy McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth all the time. Like very rarely did I ever. And to walk with those guys every single week and see how they play the game, I'm like, dude, this is another level. Like, I mean, it, it, I was not even close to being able to do that day in and day out. Like they make it look so easy. It is unbelievable. And that's why, you know, when, whenever those people come up about the guy that's a plus two at their course and all this and how good he is, I'm like, dude, Scotty Chef would have to give you three or four aside. Like, don't even think about it. You're you're not even the same ballpark. Which is crazy for you to say because every time we've played together, I don't think you've shot worse than a 65. You bring out the best of me. <laughs> oh, I love that. I thrive in those pressure situations. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> I owe you so many things from our bets. <laughs> you smoke me every single time. But as we're kind of wrapping up this year, what was your favorite moment from this season? Oh, I had a couple. Um, you know, what Nick Taylor did in Canada, uh, you can't make that up. I mean, Jim Nance's call, glory and free when he makes the putt from the national anthem up there. I mean, how do he how he does these things just amazes me. But to do that, your national open with with all the history they've had with no one from Canada winning in so long. And then to make what was it, 75 feet, 72 feet, uh, 72 foot putt in a playoff. I mean, that place was rocking. Yeah, I mean, I was there. I was I was with um, Nick in the playoff. Like it was ridiculous how loud that place was. And, and obviously everybody's rooting for him. Everybody loves Tommy Fleetwood, but Look, Nick Taylor, it's Canada. That was so cool. That's hard to beat. And then for me, I mean, look, the guy I worshipped growing up was Tiger Woods. And I never got to play with him. I've had the chance to sit down and talk with him some. Um, I never actually had covered his group until L.A. this year at, at the Genesis. And I got his group three out of four days. And to walk with him and see what he has to go through out there and how the people just love this guy. He, we were on. He started on 10 on, on Sunday. He's in 40th place. Like he's not going to win the golf tournament. We get to 16 at Riviera. The final group is John Rahm, Max Homa, and Keith Mitchell. I mean, a pretty damn good group. And the fifth hole is right there beside it. The amount of people watching Tiger's group compared to the final group, the people that were leading, was unbelievable. It was 10 times the amount of people. That shows you how big a deal Tiger Woods is. And then that was also the moment where he went over and checked the little girl's sign um, about the heart transplant, meeting Tiger, and then going to Augusta National. So that was a really cool moment. Those two definitely stick out. And 
I always love Phoenix. Saturday at Phoenix with Amanda and myself on the stage there is so much fun. Um, interacting with the guys when they walk by, interacting with the crowd. That's always a highlight. I'm going to miss that one next year because CBS has the Super Bowl. Um, so we're not covering it. So that'll be one that I'm very sad and also worried for my liver that I don't have to work that week. Paige, what was your favorite moment of the season? Now we just have to go around the horn. I would say Wyndham Clark winning the U.S. Open. I grew up playing junior golf with him. I've known him for a while. And to see him have that breakthrough, he is such a talented player. And uh, I know it means so much to him. And so that was, it's really cool to watch people that you've grown up with and you've watched develop and um, every step of the way become so successful on the biggest stage in the world. And for him to get that done was really cool for me. For me, I would say this is kind of, I would say like the resurgence of Brooks Kepka because you guys know, well, Paige knows how big of a fan I am of Jenna Sims and the Kepka family. Um, so I would say that, you know, seeing him come back after uh, his injuries and his struggles we saw outlined in the Netflix documentary, um, I feel like that was a, a cool story from this year. It's pretty crazy to think he almost made the Ryder Cup team on points with just four events counting this year. Like, he's a monster in the majors. Um, a lot of people said it when he fell out, they didn't think he'd get picked. I was like, you are crazy. If Zach Johnson didn't pick him, I mean, he would have gotten absolutely crucified. Yeah. By, by the media and fans and everybody like he he doesn't want to have to deal with that so it was cool to see brooks i mean it's it's awesome what he does in those major championships it's impressive one question i want to get to was from your coworker kyle porter at cbs this is an interesting tweet i don't know if you saw it yesterday he tweeted which golfer changed your mind about them the most this year good or bad who would you say colt i don't think anybody's changed my mind in the bad but that's a tough one. I mean, not to go off what Paige said, but like Wyndham Clark, we play with him a lot out here at Scottsdale. And when you play with him, you're just like, holy shit, this guy is good. Like he has all the tools. He hits it nine miles. He's a good iron player. He's a great putter. But mentally, he just wasn't there the last few years. Like that was a big thing he needed to work on. And he brought on sports psychologist Julie Elion. And finally, like he realizes how good he is. And it was awesome to see him have this breakout year. We're so lucky here in Scottsdale to have some of the best players in the world. But I mean, you put him and John Rom as as someone that doesn't know much about it, but if you put him and John Rom on the range and watch them hit balls or watch them go out and play around at golf, I, I think a lot of people would probably say that's the best player in the world right there in Wyndham Clark. So no surprise to see him him do what he did. I'm I'm very happy for him and glad to see things changed. Ooh, that's a really hard question. I would say what I'm surprised about is Max Homan not winning a major yet. I really thought he was gonna get it done at the US Open. Um he has such a complete game and it's it's shocking that he hasn't won a major yet i'm just glad he got the top 10 monkey off his back yeah <laughs> he finally got that the open i'll jump in before you go sam uh what i'm sad about because we need him back out there because he actually does have a personality is kevin kisner the struggles he's had love me some kids so we need him back out playing well in the pga tour i know he's working hard but you know a lot of guys keep to themselves out there. They don't have the biggest personalities, but Kiz, you know, let you know what he's thinking. And I love that guy. And he also told me he's coming for my job. So I need him to get back and play, <laughs> play better golf. I would say, and I'm going to steal the answer that I saw in the replies here from Deep Fried Egg, Michael Block, and not in the good way. Uh-oh. I can't. Now this guy's <laughs> doing like home <sighs> tours with PGA memes. This guy played like one good round of golf and is like, thinks he's the next coming of Jesus. I saw the house tour and everyone was like, I thought he was like a struggling. Yeah, literally <laughs> teaching pro. And he's like living large and people have turned on him for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. No, it, it's like really impressive. Um, tons of shoes and like everything's laid out really nicely. Like definitely not struggling one bit. Hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. The more you know. But Cole, you've been really outspoken about a live and the PGA tour and everything kind of that's been happening. When you look at next year, what do you think the future of golf looks like? It's a great question. It's 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 so tough because we just don't know anything. I actually saw Commissioner Monahan for the first time in a long time uh, at Eastlake. Talked to him for a couple of minutes, but and he got booed at the end there. Yeah, I was actually heading back to the compound when that happened, and I got back and like uh, he got booed when he walked out. I'm like, I'm actually not surprised. It's tough. I, I don't know if there's going to be that many changes next year. I think 2025 will be more of the year. But first things first, you got to get this agreement done. I mean, right now it's just an agreement to make an agreement. And there's so many questions. I mean, it's crazy to think the players don't know anything. I'm very interested to see what happens. I think if it all works out, and obviously I don't understand why, you know, Piff would want to give all the money to the PGA Tour and then the PGA Tour will be in control and have all the board seats and the majority of votes. Like, that makes no sense to me. Like, I'm all the money, and yet I'm going to let you run everything. So that'll be interesting to see. If that is the case, though, this is going to work out great for the PGA Tour and the players because they're going to have a, a ton of money behind them. And it, I think it's only going to benefit them. And, you know, it's interesting to see what happens with Liv. You know, you hear a lot of guys, they don't want to come back. They enjoy the 14-week schedule, the guaranteed money and everything like that. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's just, I, I hate to say I don't have an answer, but I really I really don't because we have no clue what's going to happen with this agreement. If it Even if it gets signed, like if they come to terms on anything, I think it'll more be 2025, but... I just I think there's so many questions left to be answered that it's it's hard to say right now what it's going to look like next year. I think it's probably going to look a lot like what it did this year. That's a that's a fair assessment. I mean, we say that all the time. Every time this news comes out, we're like, yeah. I don't even know what to make about this. Like, I don't know. We're not even going to try to talk about <laughs> Nobody it. Nobody does. Yeah. Um, let's wrap up with some questions from the followers. If you listen to the podcast, Colt, you oh, would goody. know we call this section T and A for reasons you can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Um. Can't imagine. Two people asked this question, actually. What's one thing you would change about golf coverage? Hmm. That's tough. Um, you know, that we're not on it. I know that that's what you were going to yeah, say. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly right. Um, that they don't show my face enough. No. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we've made some great strides, um, especially over at CBS. Like the technology and stuff we've put in place has been fantastic. Obviously, I mean, commercials. It drives me nuts when people are like, oh, there's too many commercials. Like, I, I get it. Yes, there are. But CBS, NBC, all these networks, they're in the business of making money. <laughs> and the commercials are what pay for their business. So that's one thing I wish people would stop complaining about. We all want less commercials. We all want more golf. It goes really fast. I wish the broadcast would be a little more conversational. Like, I think like my job is to do way more than say he's hitting seven iron from 175. Like, I, I wish we could just have a little more conversational. If something crazy happens, we obviously react to it. But I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing a Jordan Spieth story as we show several other shots. Like that's just especially like on a Saturday when people are making moves and everything like the the reason like shows like full swing are so successful is you get the behind the scenes look, which is what people crave for. They want the inside information. And like that's my job is, you know, I've got a great relationship with these guys. I know a lot more than a lot of other people do. And and I want to share that stuff. That's a that's appropriate out there. And sometimes the broadcast gets going so fast. Um, it, it's tough to do, but I think we're heading in the right direction. Would agree with that. Next question is best and worst part of playing on tour. I mean, the competition is great. That's one thing I'll always miss is going out there and mixing up because you can't, you can't replicate those nerves, that adrenaline when you're playing at home. Um, Tuesday was honestly probably my favorite day though. Cause that was the day the money games were and the trash talking and just, you get it's so much fun because I think practice rounds are the most boring thing on the planet. 
especially when you've been out there for so long. I mean, guys are putting to every single hole location and all this, and it just drives me nuts. So I always had action. So I always miss that. I mean, that was so much fun. I mean, the worst part's the travel. There's no, I mean, it's, it's lonely out there. There's a lot of lonely nights in hotel rooms. Um, you know, if you're not flying private, you know, there's nothing worse than delays, canceled flights and all that. The travel, travel does take a toll on you, but, um, listen, I'm not going to act like playing on the PGA tour sucked. Uh, like, like <laughs> some people do, it was, it was a dream come true and I'm just happy. I still get to be out there every week. Well, speaking of mixing it up in the games on Tuesdays with a guy who claims he's not a gambler, do you ever have any bets with Phil? We had a lot of action. Um, we played a lot of practice rounds together over the years. Him and I, I mean, we love to go at it. We were never on the same team um, because he likes to talk trash. I like to talk trash. Um, I know I'm playing against one of the best players in the world, but I'm not scared of anybody. Back when I was playing, now I'm terrified of a lot of people because I suck. <laughs> but yes, I had, a, I had a lot of action with Phil. We've had, you know, I mean, there's been the story that came out. I never, know, I never thought this story would actually come out, but the fact that Phil allowed it to about the John Rom bet him and I had about him being top 10 player in the world within a certain amount of time. Um, that one stung a little bit, but I've, uh, I've held my own with him on the golf course. We've had a lot of fun. Um, you know, I hate what, what's happened in the game of golf with him. He was always so great to me from the, from the moment I was deciding whether to turn pro or stay amateur for the masters through my PGA tour career. Like Phil was always great. Um, always reached out when I was struggling, always needled me at all times whenever he could. So we always had a great relationship. I'm sad with what's happened. Obviously, we're not as close as we used to be. I talked to him for the first time in probably two years at the U.S. Open this year. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had plenty of action with him, like a lot of guys. Hey, last question. And there's no one better to ask this question to. Scottsdale bachelor party recommendations coming from the king of Scottsdale himself. Well, I'll be honest. I've slowed it down a little bit <laughs> lately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, everyone's going to want to go to go to Old Town um, for the for the bachelor party. You know, starting in the day, you want to have some fun. I mean, I don't really like it. I'm getting old, but the W pool is fantastic for drinking, scenery, atmosphere, all that. I think you have to do dinner at Toca Madera. Once again, scenery, atmosphere, all that, and then I'm not the biggest nightclub guy anymore, Paige. Like I, I, I hate it. Like I, I'm getting old. It's I'm like it's so loud in here. This sucks. Okay, okay. So let's ask this. Not this year, but like yeah. you know, last year when you were mm-hmm. still going hard. What were yeah. some of your two favorite weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was always. I'm always a fan of Bevy. That's where I like to hang out. They like to mix it up. It's not always the club music at all times. Um, I know the people that run the place, so it's always a lot of fun to go in there. That was kind of our go-to spot. Um. And for me, I think the most exciting thing for a bachelor party, especially like in, in the fall coming up, is football. I mean, Saturday, Sunday in Old Town, dirt, day drinking, watching football at Bevy or Bottle Blonde, it's it, it's hard to beat. Those are my two go-tos. Okay. And then a couple golf courses, one that's affordable, mid-tier, and then your favorite private. Well, if you're coming out here in the fall, it's obviously very expensive. But if you can, if you can wait until the stands are up at TPC Scottsdale, like that's... I mean, that's a bucket list for a lot of guys to go in there because I love the place. But when the stands aren't up, that part three is just a nothing. (laughs) And it's it's shocking uh, how how bad it is. And then you see the see the arena, the Coliseum, and it's incredible. So that one's definitely on there. Weka Paw is the hidden gem, I think, out here. It is it is fantastic. And obviously I'm biased. But if you can get on Whisper Rock with a member, it's it's hard to beat that. Yeah. Whisper Rock is pretty special. 
So Colt, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure. We always love your insight. And where can our listeners follow you? Everywhere. <laughs> I feel like I never stop talking about golf. No, but every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, SiriusXM PGA Tour Channel 92. We're on noon to 2 Eastern. And then our subpar podcast comes out every Tuesday. And you can get it wherever you wherever you get your podcast. Love it. Thank you so much, Colt. We appreciate you and have a good few weeks off and get ready to go to Rome. You got it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Win money betting on golf this year. Betting on golf is fun, but picking winners isn't easy. BetSports Golf has the data, tools, and experts to turn your Sundays into paydays. Members get in-depth articles, research tools, and our team's picks each and every week. If you had bet $100 on every wager the BetSports Golf team had recommended last year, you'd be up nearly $10,000. For a limited time, you can head to BetSportsGolf.com to get a special price on a year-long subscription. 